coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. There's a lot of trust involved in creating mandalas as well. And I think in that sense, they're a really beautiful metaphor for life. Hi, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast, the podcast where you'll meet some of the most fascinating and incredible people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. You know what? I've got actually a really cool guest on today that as this recording was approaching, I was getting more and more excited about chatting to. Marin Tiggers, welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast. So good to have you here for so many reasons, but welcome. Thank you so much, Louis. It's great to be here with you. My pleasure. And I think you were just saying before that you you were a little bit getting a little bit excited to be here as well. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. It's the first podcast I'm on ever, <laughs> but I'm excited for this experience. Could be the first of many. Let's do a guinea pig trial with you here. You know, one of the reasons why I felt like I wanted to record with you, I feel like you are so experienced already. You have so much experience and you're only so young. When I found out you were only 23, I was like, holy shit, is this what the 23-year-olds are doing these days? I kind of... <laughs> Kind of made me feel like I had a bit of a misspent youth, if you know what I mean. Mm, a little. You know, we all move at our own pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm interested in the pace that you live at. So I guess just to get everyone up to speed, you're an artist, you're a yoga teacher, you're a bit of a traveler, and we want to touch on a bunch of all of these things throughout our recording today for the audience. But I've got to say, Marin, I think you're a little bit cheeky because usually before I go into a recording with someone, I usually ask people to give me some information on them or send me a blog or send me some, some things that I should know about you that might not be readily available online. And you did an amazing job, and thank you. You you wrote down some really wonderful um, responses to the, some of the questions that I asked. And you mentioned the mandala art. You mentioned uh, being a yoga teacher. You mentioned a lot of your influences and inspirations. And you missed something that I found out later. And really? Yeah. No, I'm you, curious. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I found out that you have actually a very beautiful voice. Oh. <laughs> and I was thank sitting you. here. Yeah. I, I was sitting here probably about 15 minutes ago listening to you sing. Did you watch some videos on YouTube? Is I that did. where you found it? I did. I found you yes. on YouTube. <laughs> right. Those are really old videos, to be honest. I haven't recorded any in a few years, but people keep telling me to finally record again. And I definitely feel the inspiration. God, they're it's good. It's just about finding time. <laughs> Gee, you really took me away. You took me away to a special place, actually. Um, I think it was, what was the song, um, When the Walls Come Crashing Down? It was a cover from um, Samuel Lockridge. And I just was, I was gone. I was captivated. Was I playing that on on the harmonium? Yeah. Is that what it is? It's a harmonium. Yeah. It's a harmonium. It's like this ancient Indian instrument that has a really special sound. My God, you are so mm. talented. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. Um, and, and I'm going to probably shower you with compliments throughout this whole recording. Feel free not <laughs> to thank me every single time. But sure. really, I mean, talking about doing a little bit of research on you, learning a little bit about you before coming to this recording, feeling mm. like not only personally, maybe I've, I've misspent my own youth, but, but also learning a lot about your lifestyle. And I don't even know where to start. Where do we start? What's, what's on your mind? Because there's so many places we could go and I feel like they're all kind of related, but they're kind of different. Yeah. They seem to merge into each other, doesn't it? Yeah. We could start with yoga since I'm so immersed in a world of yoga at the moment. I'm currently living at a yoga retreat center, a yoga school in the Northern Rivers in Australia. Yeah. So I'm surrounded by yoga and a like-minded community every day. So maybe that's a good spot to hop in. Yeah, yeah. I think I read you had become a fully qualified yoga teacher at the age of 19. If I've mentioned it already, you're 23 now. So it's been a little while. And so bring us up to speed with that and that journey and what's got you here. Yeah, so I did my yoga training at this very place that I'm currently staying at. And um, yeah, I enrolled into this training while I was traveling Australia as a backpacker right after finishing high school. 
So I had just turned 19 and I was volunteering at a different yoga retreat center in the Blue Mountains and felt incredibly inspired by the yoga teachers over there, really found my community and what I wanted to do at that point with my life. Mm. So I was brave enough to simply go for it. And I just signed up to a yoga training without having done yoga for very long. And um, yeah, it was just really my a little bit naive but youthful spirit who was just ready to to go on an adventure and to try this. And I signed up for this yoga training at uh, this yoga school that I had never been to. And yeah, finished that course over here. Loved it a lot. It's definitely a challenging journey because yoga teaching in a way is public speaking and yeah that's daunting for so many people especially in the second language but I loved so many aspects of it and yeah it's grown since then I've done another training in a different yoga style over in Germany in German and now I'm back in Australia teaching in English again. Yeah cool and so talk to me a little bit more about the origins of yoga in your life was it kind of coincidental you just discovered it here in the, on that backpacking trip or was there something, you know, back home before you came here that was telling you that you wanted to do that a little bit more and you just kind of happened to be the right time when you were here? Mm, that's a good question. My first experience with yoga was by a dear friend of mine. She gifted me this yoga workshop where it was live music on the harp, a really relaxing type of yoga. And I went to this workshop and really resonated with the practice from the beginning. I uh, felt very connected in that studio environment and I went traveling shortly after that after finishing high school and I had this feeling that yoga is something that I wanted to check out so I looked up yoga retreat centers on this volunteer platform called Workaway and um, yeah a really nice one popped up and that's also actually where I met the person that connected the two of us that we both know uh-huh, yeah, Kat, that's right. Yes. So for everyone listening, earlier this year I recorded a really great episode with um, Kat Huang and Kat mentioned um, that she knew this really cool person named Marin and that I should get in touch. So that's where you met Kat. Exactly. Just for a couple of days, I think, she was on a retreat at that place and I played some some songs, I played ukulele and sang to the group yeah. within like a guided meditation setting yeah. and I think she really connected to that. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've mentioned it a couple of times now. I'm just getting all these flashbacks about a misspent youth. But really, one of the things that I'm sort of hearing is that you've had these really beautiful influences in your life from such a young age. I mean, to have a friend buy you this um, retreat gift or session gift um, and there was a live heart playing, it sounds like almost in a way that you've grown into this really, really young and you've been fortunate enough to get into that so early and just know that it feels right for you? Mm. Yeah, to a degree, I would say. I feel like I've been born into a supportive environment that allowed me to, yeah, explore my own path from a fairly young age. But the communities that I've really connected with, um, they I've only discovered when I started started traveling. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the reason I was kind of a little bit like, where do we start, is because you're really well known for your Mandela art, I guess, mm. There was an interview back home with some uh, with a TV channel that sort of did, did a report on you. You've got a website that's dedicated to Mandela's. There's, um, you know, you run workshops and you teach people. And so, yeah, even at a young age, just seeing that you're a yoga teacher and not only you've got this art form, but you also teach it as well. It, it's become sort of apparent to me that you're you're a giver. You're, that you're a teacher, you're a giver. Mm. Even when you were talking about in that retreat with Kat, you were talking about, you know, playing the ukulele for everyone in the group. Is that something that's come naturally to you to be a teacher and a sharer? Or is that something you've had to work on? Yeah, teaching things and sharing things seems to come quite naturally. But it, of course, took a few years to find these things in which I'm really good at and wanting, wanting to share. And those things seem to be, yeah, everything creative in a way. Like I consider myself a creative on on so many levels where it's um it's art it's music it's also yoga teaching itself is such a creative process but that just seems to be my nature I really 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 enjoy it yeah I'm still you know I'm still a bit mad that you didn't tell me about the singing earlier oh, and that I'm I had sorry. to discover that myself I was like, Why would you... um I always found that I've got a couple of creative talents and there's 
too much going on to give all of them my focus at this point because I'm also still studying in university. So I'm quite busy with all these projects that I want to bring to life. So I've had to direct my focus a little bit and music seemed to be the one that doesn't get so much attention for now. I love singing, but I've just invested a lot more time in building my art skills and sort of an art business and my yoga teaching. Mm. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like when you have so many options because you're just so talented, obviously something's got to go to the wayside a little bit and miss Mm. out. But yeah, it's super interesting that you say it also took you a few years to discover all this because I'm like, you're only 23. Like you've (laughs) discovered a lot of these passions well before a lot of people even start to question, you know, what they're passionate about. So I feel like you're really lucky in that regard. Yeah, I do agree with that. I often have the thought of like, you know, a lot of people end up in situations in life, like in jobs or career paths that are good for the moment, but that don't end up really serving their their higher self or their dreams. And I feel like I was lucky enough to recognize these interests and dreams in myself early on so that I don't have to spend 20 years pursuing something that I then realize is not really aligned. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'd love to dive deeper on that, actually, because you mentioned that you you like to help people unlock their creativity or unblock mm. their creativity. And so somewhere along the line within you, you've realized that, hang on, there's these paths in life and sometimes people take a path that they don't necessarily intend on taking. They just sort of get thrust into it. And then there's other people that are a little bit more mindful in the way that they approach life at whatever age it becomes. And they find these passions and gifts and and they're able to sort of help others to sort of bring Mm -hmm. them along on that ride or help them discover their own ride or journey. And so uh, I'm curious to get to know the side of you that has that recognition. Is it an everyday thing? Is it something that you fight for and strive for? Is it something that comes easily to you? Um, Because we talked, I asked you to write down a little bit about your fears and it did seem a little bit like you're still at a tipping point where these passions that you have in your life, they might at some point need to be sacrificed for Mm. financial security or something like that. Mm. Do we go there? Can we go there? Well, we definitely can go there. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Um, Yeah. You don't have to have an answer for that, by the way. Like, I mean, that's just me throwing that out there and going, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there something more here? Enjoying the episode so far? Be sure to follow us and leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, there's more, there's more. So, yeah, I guess all of these these passions of mine, like their continuous journey to develop these and I pursue them because I feel such a strong inspiration to go there. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a part of me that is still... Yeah, we're still raised in, in a society, in a context where it's not really normal to just start pursuing creative dreams and to call yourself an artist and to start traveling. So there's, I definitely grew up with the expectation of you go to uni, you find, um, yeah, a good career, sort of the German society is also really like a straight path kind of thing. Like Mm. at least that's the, the impression that I got that, yeah, you sort of stick to rules, you do what's right, and then you live a traditional life. And that just felt too small for me and definitely still feels too small for me. So yeah, I always felt like I've I've got no choice. So I need to at least try pursuing mm-hmm. those things that are really calling me. Mm-hmm. And if later on down the line, I somehow fail or have to yeah limit my freedom to a certain degree in order to do something more traditional or something more stable, then that's okay. Then, then I've tried, but I don't think I could yeah live a normal or mediocre life without at least you know having tried to become a full time artist or mm. having tried to live a meaningful life mm. in that way. But there's definitely fears involved, and it's not like I I live of my art completely yet. Like all these things are still evolving and growing, but my fears definitely go into and insecurities definitely are connected to that. Mm. And yet you've got all of these really amazing influences from all of the different things that you have that hopefully are able to keep you mentally or emotionally supported or help you feel. Clearly, like I live, I've chosen to live in a community context, at least during this travel year that I'm Mm. spending here in Australia again. And um, it's an incredibly supportive community of people making alternative choices and choosing a different life. And my talents seem to fit right in in these 
environments that I'm now living in. So I get a lot of appreciation for my talents and skills over here, a lot of encouragement, which is beautiful. Because there are circles um, of, let's say, corporate people or something where I would feel a lot more insecure about these things that I do. Whereas in the environment that I am now, it's, uh, yeah, it's really appreciated. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to touch on there. The first one is like if somehow you managed to obtain the courage to make these choices and see them for what they really are, to know that there's that, as you called it, normal or traditional or I guess, I don't know, mundane, I'm not sure if you called it that, a way mm. of living that, you know, didn't really appeal to you. And then there's, there was this other path that you thought, well, if I don't try it, then I'll never know. And it's that thing, right? Like people always say, you, you won't regret doing something or you won't regret trying something. You'll only regret not trying it. Totally. Absolutely. So far, I have no regrets. <laughs> At least regarding, yeah, those big choices. And definitely um, coming to Australia, those three times that I've been here was always the right choice. Like mm. a lot of transformation happened for me in this place mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i feel like you also touched on something else there that's really super super important and that i'm coming to really appreciate more and more and it sounds like you've already sort of got there by the way i've got 15 years on you and i'm sort <laughs> of just learning these things now or, or starting to have more of an appreciation for these things now and maybe because i was naive in my own right you mentioned naive before and i was like hey we're all naive we you know yeah in a way hey we don't know what we don't know. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, some people develop really strong egos where, you know, once they're an expert in something, they just become, like, they stay there and that's their comfort zone. Mm. And for them, it's it's comfortable to be an expert and surround themselves by people that admire that. And for some of us that want to choose maybe less traditional paths, artistic, creative things, it's really important for us to find supportive people that are going to, I don't know not keep us i guess delusional in any way but to help us to fulfill that and to help us feel mentally and emotionally in a place where we can continue to follow those things yeah clearly and there's so many successful creatives that i look up to in many ways i feel like i'm just at the very beginning because i'm not you know my art account is not big on social media yet and um, there's lots of goals for me to reach in in yoga and art still out there so in a way i feel like i've just started but then looking back, I've also been working on these um, passions for quite a while. Yeah, you have. And, you know, it might be another 10 years or so, and then you will just realize yeah. that you, I mean, you'll still be young, and then you'll realize you'll... that you put, like, you know, half of your life into this, yeah. and now it's sort of coming to fruition. It's just, I think, with a lot of these creative pursuits, it's just a war of attrition, right? Who can hang in there the longest? Totally. And with art, it's also been really powerful to see that sticking to one specific style or one specific thing and pursuing that for years allows you to grow in a really powerful way. Whereas there's lots of artists out there who do a little bit of pottery and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, which is also beautiful, you know. Mm. I myself have so many creative interests, but the Mandela art somewhat found me, or I found it when I was, I think, around 15 or 16. I started drawing Mandelas, and I like this art style so much that I've decided to stick to it over mm. the years. So I've been drawing Mandelas specifically since... I've been 15 and that allowed me to really grow in that area and to create really intricate artworks. I never thought I'd find myself researching mandalas, but then coming onto this, <laughs> but For sure. coming onto the, this chat with you, I was like, oh, here's something that I know absolutely nothing about. I better actually look <laughs> into it. And I'm talking like an hour ago. So I went on YouTube and I, there was this quote and I'm not sure who this quote was by, um, but a mandala symbolizes that everything in life is cyclical and is never ending. And I was mm. like, oh, yes, I like that. I love that. Totally. The interconnectedness of all the different elements. Mm. Mm. Wouldn't you explain in your words, like, why mandala art? What is it? And what is it yeah. about it that drew you? So in general, I would say mandalas or mandala art is um, a beautiful circular art form that is characterized by lots of patterns and uh, symmetry lots of repetition around a circular drawing. And what attracted me to them is just the beauty of it, the symmetry. I just love looking at them, to be honest. Uh, traditionally, they've also been used as a meditation tool in different cultures mm. where you sort of focus, focus your eye on the center of a mandala and it sort of has this uh, 
yeah, a meditative effect on your mind in a way, but I just find them incredibly beautiful and the process of drawing them can be meditative in itself because it's a repetition of the same shapes all the way around the circle, which some people find boring, like you need a lot of patience for this uh, art style, but it helped me develop these qualities for sure. And um, what I love about mandalas is that they grow out of a circular point and then they go outwards. And I approach them in a sense that I never plan my mandalas. You simply, sometimes I have an idea, but usually I just start in the center and then you trust the process. You keep taking one little step at a time. You simply choose the next pattern. Mm. And then it grows into this beautiful image, beautiful artwork that turns out better than you could have planned it. So mm. it's a lot of trust involved in creating mandalas as well. And I think in that sense there, a really beautiful metaphor for life. Whereas if you simply start at a particular point and then take one step at a time and keep going, then it will grow into a beautiful final result that you couldn't have planned in that way. Mm. I'm on your website at the moment. Did you Mandala the world? Is that the world map? In yeah. The yeah. I've done several world maps, actually. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they've been really popular. <laughs> that is super cool. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm on your website. Um, for everyone listening, it's marindallas.com. Yes. I'm on the gallery page. Mm-hmm. I'll share it all later. But yeah, the reason I'm flicking through now while you're talking is because I'm still kind of intrigued. You know, I, mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm new. While I was doing a little bit of research, like I mentioned earlier on mandalas, I realized, hang on, wait. Yes, these geometric shapes are probably for those at home that are still kind of curious about it and just listening Imagine a dream catcher, you know, that circular shape of a dream catcher yeah. is kind of the closest thing that you might see to the representation of a mandala. So if you're struggling to picture what it might look like, just think about a dream catcher. Um, but certainly on your website, you've got some really interesting, beautiful designs. Obviously, you do some private ones for people. And then there's these cosmic kind of spiritual designs that you that you do. And, and they mm-hmm. look so intricate. How do you do these? Like, yeah. <laughs> so they've gotten more and more intricate, more and more detailed over the years. So I draw with a little really thin black fine liner, like all of these artworks are drawn on paper. And I start all my mandalas with a compass. You call it a compass, right? Or a protractor. So that's the base for keeping the symmetry. And then I draw all patterns with a pencil first and then trace them with the fine liner. So that gives you a chance to correct some imperfections. Whereas if you look at it from far away, they look perfect. But if you look close, you can actually tell that it's drawn by hand. But mm. that's in a way what makes them beautiful and different from just computer generated mandalas. Mm, I like that. Mm. Yeah, like a few years ago, I sort of was contemplating, you know, hand-drawn stuff and just realizing that there is actually beauty in imperfection and there's probably more beauty in imperfection than perfection itself. I'm not sure how you feel about that. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. And the thing with mandalas, like people always ask me, what do you do if if you make a mistake? And I've made lots of mistakes, but sometimes that led me to creating a new pattern that I wouldn't have thought about. So if I by accident draw a line that wasn't supposed to be there, then I need to adapt the pattern all around the circle Mm. and turn it into something else. Um, Yeah. Mm. I'm kind of trying to piece all of these influence in your life together. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a few different touch points. There's the the Mandela art, there's the yoga, and I didn't know where to start. And I was asking you, where should we start? (laughs) Um, but I think the reason why I was struggling so much is because I know that these all tie together somehow. I just can't, I haven't figured it out yet. And I'm kind of think I'm starting to piece it together a little bit. One of the things that you talked about before was patience. So, you know, with yoga, it's inherently linked to meditation, you could say, Mm -hmm. and that's a real art of mindfulness and I guess patience building, yeah, um, which is something that you would build with the creation of these beautiful mandala pieces. Mm. The other thing is with the yoga and I, I'm taking myself mentally back to the yoga mat, right? Where you are like, I mean, I'm a student by the way, not a teacher. Um, yeah. Well, just really quickly, yeah. we're all yoga students, to be honest, it's a lifelong practice and I'm as much a student of yoga as you are, but I've just also learned how to share how to be a yoga student with others. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because I was actually going to ask you about teaching later and then ask you about, I guess, you know, where do you go when you're 23 and you're already teaching people all of this amazing stuff? I'm like, what, what are you learning? Mm. Um, but just quickly, I'll, just to finish off, I was kind of picturing a whole, I don't know what you'd call it, like a cycle of yoga, yogic poses. So it might be like mm -hmm. a vinyasa cycle where yeah. you might start in as a like cobra pose or something like that. And then you end up, you know, on your feet and start doing some sun salutation or something. Um, yeah, exactly. Cor correct me if I'm wrong. I might be getting all these terms wrong. And that's also cyclical as well. It's yeah. also, it also feels like that's circular and that's cyclical and that's teaching you patience and discipline as well. And yeah. I think what I, one of the things that I really remember loving hearing when I was in the yoga class, because I'm such a perfectionist, is that like it doesn't need to be perfect. Your mm. level doesn't need to be at that same person's level. Clearly. It's, so, it's such an individual practice. And if you force yourself to practice in the way somebody else does, it could be more detrimental than beneficial. We all start where we're at and, um, you know, some aspects of yoga are just anatomical limitations. Like not everybody can show off the cool Instagram yoga poses and that's really not what it's about. It's in a way it's about coming back to the self and sort of tuning inwards, exploring internally through breath, through mindful movement, through meditation learning about yourself and of course at the same time it's also a physical practice it's about moving your body and uh, keeping or building flexibility and strength at the same time but yeah the concept of yoga is so much larger than the physical practice that people usually know about mm -hmm. like there's a whole philosophy around yoga and ancient yogic wisdom texts so in these yoga trainings they teach the different layers of yoga they teach you how to instruct people on how to do physical poses how to keep people safe how to accommodate different levels of practitioners different body types but they also allow you to dive into the philosophy of yoga and at the moment i've um, i have the the privilege of sitting through the training again that i myself did four years ago so mm -hmm. it's a 200 hour vinyasa yoga teacher training and i'm here back at the place where i did my training to to work as an assistant teacher so Essentially, I'm spending six weeks guiding a group of yogis on their journey to becoming qualified yoga teachers. And um, I learn as much as they do, but it, in a way, it feels like a, a step up from a yoga student to a yoga teacher. And now I help instruct new yoga teachers. So that's where my yoga growth <laughs> is mm. happening at the moment. You're listening to the Louis Diaz podcast. Mm, yeah, no, I love that. And it kind of reminds me of something that I spoke to Hector Marcel about and back in know, episode 17. I, I think feel like it was ages ago now I spoke to Hector. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was talk we were talking about that whole concept around becoming the teacher again and he was talking about Buddhism and Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the traditional Buddhist mindset is that the person you're teaching will one day become your teacher. And so yeah. that you should give them your absolute best. Um, mm. So the, that whole notion in itself is, is very cyclical as well. And it's funny that even when I was researching mandalas earlier, they talked about Hinduism and Buddhism as being some of the origins <laughs> of mandalas. And one of the yeah. things that really broke my heart actually was watching those um, Buddhist monks make the colorful mandalas with the uh, colored sands. You know about this. I know, but yeah, keep, keep explaining. <laughs> oh, well, for anyone listening, if you look at our Buddhist monks creating mandalas with colored sands, you'll see that they make these ginormous, like huge, right? Intricate mm. pieces and they're just absolutely stunning. Yes. And then they just destroy them. But it's such a beautiful practice. I mean, it, when I first found out about that, I was like, what's the point? How can they? <laughs> because I treasure my creations a lot. Like when yeah. I spend hours and hours, sometimes it's like 80, 90 hours or something, working on one drawing, mm. one paper. You really identify with that creation because you've put so much love into it. But what they teach is really the lesson of impermanence that everything is transient and that the practice is in creating for the sake of creating not for the sake of then attaching your ego to that creation but to actually connect to that creative flow 
there's also this idea of artists being a channel for something higher coming through them. So that also helps you to identify less with the work that you produce and see it more as an, I'm just getting something out that is coming through that mm. wants to be expressed. But then I sort of surrender to the fact that everything is transient and impermanent. Yeah. It's a concept deeply rooted in Buddhism and I connected to it a lot during a meditation course that I did a couple of years ago called Vipassana. Have you ever heard of those? I've heard of a Vipassana. Can you explain it again for me? Cause... Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the course that I did was a 10-day silent meditation course at a Buddhist meditation center where they teach you a particular meditation technique. And what is so intense about it is that there's no phone, there's no talking, there's no form of entertainment, nothing to distract you. You don't even have anything to write. And there's lots and lots of hours of meditation practice during the day. And yeah, it's, it's really intense in that way, but it gives you time and the right environment to turn inwards, to really deep dive into meditation and to develop a new discipline around it. So that was a powerful, profound experience that I also, I feel like I just, I just signed up to it. I just heard about it and it was like, yep, gut feeling, feels right. That's what we'll do. And then I just rocked up there and uh, started meditating for 10 days. And it was definitely one of the most challenging things that I've done, but clearly transformative. You get really familiar with the workings of your mind, where sort of that in yoga, we often call it the monkey mind that goes into worries, into thoughts of the past or the future, but it's never quite in the moment. I think I've got a gorilla mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be the case. <laughs> yeah. Very strong monkey. <laughs> in a cage, no bananas, very hungry, mm. very irritable gorilla. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I really love that. There was so much that you touched on then. Firstly, the gut feeling thing, right? And it, mm. it seems like... You've developed at some point throughout your life, you developed a strong... Intuition, maybe? Intuition. That's a great word <laughs> that I was obviously struggling to find. Um, <laughs> a strong intuition and a trust, I guess you would also say, or a connection to your gut, you know, and that mm. gut feeling. And then you've been following that. I love that about mm. you. And to be honest, it's been getting easier because I've made certain choices that I felt I was meant to do or that felt right. And then they just led me on this incredible path. And then it becomes easier to trust that gut feeling. But it's still it's still a practice. I still have moments, especially while traveling, where I don't quite trust that the next step, whatever it's going to be, is going to work out well. Like, mm. I mean, in, in travel, you experience that concept of impermanence uh, really intensely because... Everything is transient. The community that I live in at the moment, it's a group of wonderful, wonderful people volunteering here and working here. But they're always coming and going. You always have to allow the fact that this place is changing. Mm. Every time you talk and say something, there's two or three things that I want to talk about after that. <laughs> but then I have to obviously pick one and that's why I'm struggling right now. Yeah. Um, well, trust your intuition. You'll know which one. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go with my gut and continue down the line of the gut feeling nice. stuff. And I love yeah. that you talked about that and that you explained that it's getting easier and easier for you. That's so awesome because I'm kind of addicted to learning mm. stuff, especially about the human being and our capabilities. Anywhere from laws of attraction stuff to neuroscience stuff. Yeah. You know, real, I guess, woohoo out there stuff to the neuroscience stuff that is actually, you know, from what we, we've been able to track so far, scientifically, mm -hmm. we've been actually been able to measure some of these amazing things mm -hmm. and even get to that sort of water's edge, if you will, of that neuroscience before it turns into woo-woo. Like, mm -hmm. I sort of linger in, in around that area where I love doing that research. And one of the things that you said that I love the most was about the gut feeling getting easier. It's like so correlated with a lot of the stuff that I hear from all of those other areas about if you keep practicing something, it gets easier, right? If you keep going mm. to the gym, you'll get stronger. Yeah. And so mm. I feel like that's a real awesome trait of yours that you've been able to really hone in on that and go, oh yeah, it gets easier and I'm able to use it more for my to my advantage. Yeah. Not many does. people talk about that, you know. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> and no, I mean, I think I think a lot of people have, you know, an internal whatever you want to call it, guidance system, you know, like an inner voice that tells them, I kinda wanna paint or I kinda wanna um mm travel to South America or something like that. But um, 
I guess if you continuously suppress that voice or don't don't listen to it, then yeah, it can't really grow into something. Like it gets really quiet. But if you if you give it a voice, then you're much more connected to that in a sense where you can just um, tune in and um, figure out the right path. Not to say that you know sometimes we. <laughs> We do a few detours in life where we thought something was great, but it really wasn't. But you're still learning an important lesson. So, mm. Yeah, of course. Mm. I mean, like you're not making one incredible choice after the other in life, are you? But I do love that you talk about the gut feeling that you've been able to, that intuition that you've been able to continuously trust and continuously allow, mm. allow to guide you and give it a voice. Mm. Um, I think part of that is also that I just, I feel it so strongly when I make choices against that feeling, when I do things because I'm supposed to or because I have to or because, you know, making choices out of fear. Like I, I feel these things really strongly, like I really dislike doing things that I don't want to do. So the alternative is to listen more to that intuition. Mm. Mm. And I mean, we're not talking about things that are good for us, like, you know, doing things like push-ups or, or like <laughs> dips or burpees or something. Yeah. We're talking about like real life choice things, um, yes. you know, whether to drop our passion to pursue a career that we know is going to pay us really well. But Clearly. Leave the life that you, you're familiar and comfortable with in the pursuit of something more, hopefully, but which is still unknown in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I think... And with art, when relating that to art, I've just... I have a lot of people who, who look at my art now and they see these intricate drawings and they just think, wow, you're so talented. Like I, I often hear, this is such a gift. And while it is a gift, it is mostly the result of practice over a lot of years. Like it's the sort of daily discipline to, to come back to it and to hone in on a skill. And yeah, pursuing art over those years has really taught me the power of sticking to something and giving that my my energy yeah and i, I mean you are very talented Gee, i'm just <laughs> thank you for, the, for those that can't see me right now because you're only listening i'm looking back at my computer and looking at some of these artworks they're just they're beautiful really they are and i had no appreciation for mandalas before mm. earlier today i'm gonna put my hand up here and be honest about that i didn't know what they were i couldn't explain it to you but mm. obviously a few you know a couple of hours of research and i've developed a whole new appreciation for the art form and what it does for the art as well as the perceiver or the viewer of the art mm. as well. But gee, I just I'm lost my train of thought. I'm glad you've discovered the beauty of Mandela. I have, <laughs> I have. And it's not the perfect art type for anyone because it's such intricate work and it requires so much patience, whereas there's other art styles like more abstract art where you can just express yourself mm -hmm. way quicker and don't have to sit down super close to the page for hours. Um, for me, it's also a good practice to sometimes break out of this particular art style. For example, a few days ago, I went to a live drawing class, which is essentially a two-hour session where you draw a live model who, in that case, was naked in different positions. <laughs> Have you heard of live drawing? I've done a lot of live drawing in my life. Really? Cool. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's something that requires me to be a beginner because I'm not practiced at just sketching people in five minutes. Oh, that is minutes. so different. But it's good because it happens so quickly that you can't like it. Yes. You sort of overcome the inner critic because you don't have time for perfection or for mm. questioning. You just have to do it. And that's really powerful for the creative journey. <laughs> yes, yes, I do love that. Because you talked earlier about a lot of artists having all these different art forms that they like and you having chosen like Mandela art form really at a young age and, you know, sticking to it and you seeing the benefits of that. Also, you were introduced to yoga at a young age and it's something that you continue to pursue. And so... One of the things that was on my mind a little bit earlier when you were talking about that stuff was like, hang on, yeah, awesome bubbles, like beautiful bubbles, amazing bubbles. If you could stay in those bubbles for the rest of your life, then wow, True. great. You know, but what do you do to get out of those bubbles? Because I feel like in life, bubbles are good and then we need to mm -hmm. get out of them. We need to break out of them at some point. And I think the life drawing thing for you is a perfect example of that. And when I love how mm -hmm. you talked about the inner critic because you're right, the model changes and then you've got to flip the page over and then you've got to start drawing another pose again. Totally. Yeah. You, you don't have time to critique it, which is great. Mm. That's a really good question, actually, because I feel like at the moment I'm just I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about my life at the moment, but I, I really know that I am living it 
in a bubble because I'm essentially spending a year or longer, who knows what's happening. Um, but I'm spending a lot of time within yoga communities. So I'm in, in a bubble 24-7 in a sense, but it's really a bubble that is me. So it gets me really, really excited about life. And yeah, I guess I could do more breaking out of my my bubbles because like creative spaces and yoga spaces and uh, sort of like conscious vegetarian communities. <laughs> That's really where, yeah, I feel at home. Yeah, you know what, like, I don't want you to get the, the wrong impression of where I was going with that, actually, because okay. I do, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here as <laughs> well, fine. because at the same time that I believe it's important to break out of bubbles, because A, how do you know how lucky you are unless you step out of a bubble and go and get to see it? Also, B, how, how do you know you're not missing out on something else that's awesome if you don't step mm -hmm. out of the bubble that you're in? That's another good question to ask yourself, I guess, at some point. Yeah. But For then sure. I guess on the flip side of that, once you have found your tribe, your community, the things mm. that make your heart sing, bubble away. Bubble like a bubble bath. <laughs> totally. And that's, in a sense, that's what makes being back in Australia this time so different from the time when I was backpacking over here after high school. I, you know, I stayed at the same yoga retreats. I did a similar thing. But back then it felt like I'm just doing this as a holiday for a year and then I'm going back to my serious mainstream life, study at uni, do it the proper way. Mm. Um, like that was my mindset back then. I sort of gave myself freedom for a year, but I, I always felt like, oh, this is just exploring for a year and then I do the proper stuff. Whereas now that I am still finishing up my degree, but where I have studied at uni and went back to Germany and all that, I now don't consider this just a trip. I consider this my life and I allow myself to think in ways of what if I just, you know, stay living in a yoga community or stay in Australia or in a similar place somewhere else in the world. And that feels really, really exciting. Mm, yeah. And that is exciting. And I think you have every reason to be excited. And if you're excited, then just keep going with that. Um, mm. And again, like, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression about me and my idea of bubbles. Um, I think it's really important to try a lot of things in life, you know, like yeah. a life of lots of things tried, I think is a life well spent. But I believe, honestly, that you should always run towards doing the, the things that make your heart sing, like run, mm. like sprint towards them and go for them as much as you can. And it sounds to me like that's what you do. That's your way of living, actually, mm. in general. And finding a supportive community is so such a game changer. Yes, yes, mm. that's that's so true. That's come up a lot actually, and you know this whole podcast thing that I'm doing, for example, it's a very solo kind of thing. And I've realised, hang on, if I just find a few other creative people, we can spur each other on. <laughs> and then I found out, have you ever heard of Mr. Beast? No. He's the like apparently he's the world's biggest YouTuber. Someone only introduced oh, me to him. Yeah, you know, like exactly. That's a pretty great title to have, I, I must say. I'd love to be that someday. Um, yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure. <Amy's that. laughs> I'm not sure I'll ever do the work to get to where uh, Mr. Beast has. But in short, I'll give you the Mr. Beast rundown, right? And it's got to do with your whole community vibe here. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Beast was making YouTube videos and, mm -hmm. you know, he was trying it out and things weren't going so well. Or he realized that things could be going better. And one of the things that he talked about in a video that I watched was that he got a little community of other YouTubers, like three or four mm -hmm. of them, and they would get on Zoom calls like every day. And they would talk about different statistics and different thumbnails. And they would talk about absolutely everything in the A to Z book of YouTube, right? They would, they would discuss it. And he said that on some of those days, he'd be on calls from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. with these people talking about, mm. you know, strategies to, to get better and better. And it, it took his channel about five years and that's five years of work, you know, before he then suddenly made it big. But I mean, look at the results now. And that's just shows not only something similar that you have is that dedication to, you know, perfecting or, or sticking to that art form that you really love, but also finding a community that supports that. I think you're on the right track. You might be the Mr. Beast of Mandela's at some point or who knows. Yeah. Let's see. I'd love to be. <laughs> mm. A big vision is also to, um, I mean, I love, love what you just said, that story. Um, yeah, connection. It's all about connection, isn't it? It's a, I mean, connection is another big theme 
in my life, I would say, which became incredibly clear throughout COVID as well, because my, my life during COVID was such a big contrast to the travel that I did before and the travel that I do now and the sort of living in community. And it just, I mean, it wasn't a very fun time, <laughs> but it just stressed the importance of being connected to the right kind of people. Yeah. Yeah, I can mm. vouch for that. Um, yeah. But you also mentioned that you're studying. Why don't we talk about that for, for yeah. our listeners? Because <laughs> believe it or not, I found out that you're studying health psychology. Is that right? Exactly. And, and that wasn't hard because you gave me that information. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, and here we go. Let me set this up for you. Remember at the beginning of our chat where I said I couldn't figure out where to start? <laughs> and then somewhere in the middle where I was like, well, I didn't know where to start because... I could sense that all of these things were connected in some way and it was just overwhelming me, in short. And then I read that you are studying health psychology and then when I was doing my research on mandalas, I saw something about Carl Jung. You know Carl Jung? Oh, Carl Jung, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Jung, yeah. Carl so, Jung, like the internationally renowned psychologist, I guess exactly. you would say. So it's funny that you mention him because I've got, I think... Is it his? Yeah, I think I've got one of his quotes on my Mandela art website. <laughs> yes. Do you? Yeah. What does it say? Where is it? I can't quite remember, to be honest, but I know it's there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he talks about Mandela's, doesn't he? Yes, yes, he does. Mm. Oh, there you go. See, it's all connected. It's all, it it's connected. literally all connected. Everything that you do is connected in some way, which is just yeah. wild. But talk to us about It's nice that you stress that because I'm not so aware of that. Sometimes, you know, it feels like these different subjects of interest, but actually they all find their way together. Yeah. And I know exactly what you mean, because like to give people an example, I've written a children's book. Okay. Mm, I have taught people how to skateboard and I do this podcast. And to me, they kind of all feel unrelated. Mm. And then when I read your write-up that you sent me, the responses to the questions that I asked, I could sense that there was connection, but I couldn't quite figure it out. And Mm. I feel like as much as this chat has been, you know, talking to you and learning about you and sharing more about you with your audience, it's been about me trying to figure out those connections. You know, how how is all this connected? So yeah, I'm glad that you're glad that I brought that up. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. we're, we're kind of piecing this together now because you talked about community before, right? You talked about community yeah. as being something that is ultra important in your development and, and you sort of pursuing the things that you're passionate about. But I feel like now that we've figured this out, I'm saying we because you've done it just as much as I have. Mm. I feel like having adjacent passions is also super important. Like not writing a children's book and then starting a podcast, but doing mandalas and yoga. Does that make sense? Yeah, what does it, you said a word there that I don't know. Adjacent. Adjacent adjacent means like um, parallel or um, synonymous, like synonymous passions, like things that you could almost stick in the same bubble or or group together as things that are similar or correlated. Um, Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's incredibly exciting to connect different passions, I would say. I don't think it's a must. I think you can also keep interests that don't quite correlate and be, you know, part of different bubbles that don't merge in a way. But it's kind of nice when they do. And on the topic of interconnectedness of different passions and subjects, one of my big plans and dreams for the future is to run retreats, which is very common in the yoga world. But I just resonate with it a lot to take like a group of people to beautiful places. So Mm. there's travel there and then there's connection building within the group. So authentic human connection is there. And then I would love to run yoga and art retreats. So combine the Mm. practice of yoga with like expressing yourself through different forms of art. So that is, I would say, the vision (laughs) for what I'd like to grow into in the future that would bring all of this together in a sense. Yeah, that does sound exciting. Actually, you know what? Yoga, life drawing, clothes on, but the different poses, like yoga poses would be so interesting to draw. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because the current artwork that I'm working on has three yogis in the center, three women in different yoga poses, and then all the intricate patterns of growing around them. So if you go on my Instagram, you'll find it. It's not on the website yet. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the website. Clear. But I mean, do you think the life drawing is helping with that in any way? If you haven't already, find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or TikTok, where you can catch additional content and grace us with your thoughts. Thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode.
yeah, it's a new skill in enjoying. And I think what makes live drawing such a good practice is that you have to observe and then replicate yes and in patterns it's often the same like when i find inspiration in in nature or just shapes that i see in the world in architecture or even just patterns that i find in in other people's work it's sort of like observing and then replicating in your own way um so that's a great 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 skill yeah that's so funny you say that actually because it just it zooms me way back to the reason why i stopped life drawing yeah um, and it was because i was trying to illustrate the children's book that i wrote and i would sit down with a blank piece of paper and i found that i couldn't i just couldn't draw i couldn't draw the things mm -hmm. that i wanted to draw like a dog for example i just was really sucking really bad at drawing a dog and yeah. it took me a little while to figure this out like why why is this so hard for me i'm i'm an awesome life drawer i could go into a life drawing class and sit at a 20 minute pose and like make this like little masterpiece on newsprint yeah. and then roll it up and throw it in the bin on the way out i guess because i wouldn't take them home mm. um, but but i was like oh i've only been practicing drawing things that i see and yeah. it's actually detracting from my ability to draw things that come from my imagination like this cartoon dog has to come from my mm. imagination and i'm not used to drawing in that way and that was a correlation that I made that eventually I stopped life drawing and I never went back. And that was about 10 years ago. Wow. That's so fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you ended up illustrating the, yeah, the children's yeah, yeah. book by I, yourself? I actually got a message from someone in Canada just today, literally today, yeah. um, who said, oh, I brought my copy of your book to Canada and my really? friends love it. But yeah, I ended up illustrating it myself and it, it was cool. Great project, completely unrelated <laughs> to the podcast, but something that I like to reflect on. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with all other <laughs> artists and art projects for sure. And to finish a project like that is, I think, really incredible, especially if a lot of the illustrations come from your imagination and not just looking up the image of a dog and copying it exactly, which is also a skill, but yeah, no, it's, fantastic. yeah, it's just funny that you said what you said because I was okay. But I think that's a really amazing idea that you have to run the retreats, to bring the passions together. It's the travel, it's the authentic connection. And then obviously if you can do the drawing. It's a really great idea. Really, really. But you're right. Retreats are really synonymous with yoga. It seems like everyone's doing yeah. them these days. Mm. And I mean, why not? They're like a holiday that gives you connection to the self, connection to others, like a conscious break from life in a beautiful environment. Like I think there's so much potential. Like a retreat is simply a framework that then allows you to do really powerful work with people. But have you ever been a bad girl, Marin? Like, have you ever just like gone off the rails for a weekend and gone party? <laughs> oh, that's a funny question. Um, I was never huge with partying. Um, I mean, there were some in my teen years, of course. But I mean, those interests in yoga and art and sort of alternative living they all came really early mm. in the phase where lots of people would sort of have their typical uni mm -hmm. uni days and party lives. So I feel like in some sense, I, I skipped that, which is also why I chose to, to study online. So I do uni online because I never felt like I needed the typical uni life experience okay. and I wanted to stay location independent, which uh, served me really well, that choice. Yeah, especially if you're trying to stay out of that sort of party environment, right? Yeah, I mean, during my travels, I've done some <laughs> some crazy things. Um, well, how much nothing. time do you have? What was that? Talk to us about those. <laughs> okay. Okay. One crazy thing that I've done is, um, I hope this is okay to share. Um, so I was 19 and I stayed at a clothing optional banana farm and volunteered there. <laughs> okay. And which option Sorry. did you choose? A community where you can, yeah, be yourself fully, whether you choose to wear clothes or not. And uh, I find the experience of being, yeah, naked in nature quite empowering. <laughs> that was a bit of a funny experience. Um, no, I love it. I love it. But, you know, I'm thinking, uh, um, you know what? I don't get naked in public much. Mm. That is one thing that I regret about my life and I want to change for oh. sure. And I've really enjoyed go actually going skinny dipping the times that I have yeah. Yeah. but but also you know I do see the advantage of having clothes on especially when there are Please. mosquitoes around um 
which they just seem to be really attracted to me. They mosquitoes love me, and I just <laughs> I feel like when I've got clothes on, I'm giving them less real estate to work with. Mm. And I mean, clothes themselves are like such a way of expressing yourself too. Nothing wrong with clothes, but I think uh, the experience of not having that sometimes just these few experiences in your mm. life can be really empowering in like boosting mm. body image and owning this vessel that we live in and it definitely did that for me earlier this year I did another really cool experience I did a, a photo shoot with a friend of mine who does beautiful portraits of women in nature and they're usually naked as well so um, we were in the rainforest in this beautiful creek with little waterfalls and palm trees and beautiful yeah, just beautiful rainforest surrounded by me and uh, took photos. In some of them, I was covered by this huge monstera leaf. <laughs> and um, I just felt like a, so connected to nature. I just felt like a tropical rainforest fairy or something. <laughs> yeah. Really embodied, really uh, confident. And I think that's also kind of correlated to... I guess all of your other things as well. When we think about, but I guess in general in life, I haven't I haven't been very rebellious or very crazy. Like I I'm usually quite an organized person. I like to plan things. I like some level of of safety in my plans and in the things that I do. And um, yeah, they're just alternative. They're not so wild. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> Marin, I think in that way, I can safely say that we are total opposites. Um, really. <laughs> but, you know, I think as I mature that mm -hmm. I'm gaining more and more of an appreciation for the way that you love to live mm. um, and, and that way of life because I think I've sort of done the rebellious yeah. kind of, you know. The partying and the, the wild side. Yeah, you, you know, never too crazy. Yeah. But then again, I'm not sure why, why I said that because I think what I think is too crazy is probably really extreme and I've probably done <laughs> stuff that, that other people think are really extreme as well. Yeah. So, yeah, getting more and more an, an appreciation for that calm life. Mm. Because, and the reason I asked that actually, it was funny that we went on this tangent where I was like, have you been in Naughty before? Is that you were talking about the retreat being a perfect mix of travel and it's just a, it's like a holiday. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing on the holidays, but I'm, when I'm on holidays, I'm buying packets of cigarettes and there's margaritas and I'm, mm. I'm jumping into the pool and you know, that's not the way I want to live forever. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's funny that you say that that the retreats are like a holiday. I really would love to do that at some point in my life, and yeah. be, and feel like it's it feels right. I'm not sure. Mm. Am I there yet? Can you help someone like me? Can I help someone like you? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I think yoga is a powerful tool. It and, is. Uh, you seem to be already like expressed or like on the path of expressing yourself through creativity in a big way through this podcast and through your other projects. Uh, so yeah, I think you're really, <laughs> really, um, yeah, in your passions in that way, for sure. And I also have a bunch of like unhealthy habits and things that I'm trying to overcome, building discipline and... Uh, Great. Can you share yeah. some of those with me? Because like, honestly, the whole time I've been sort of researching you, talking to you, I'm <laughs> like, gosh, this woman is so pure and just like, you know... You've just found all of these passions so young. You talked mm. about like the typical German life being so linear and so straight yeah. and, and all of this. And I was like, but you've done linear, straight in look, all of these amazing, perfect ways. Mm. And I've kind of been sitting here feeling worse and worse about myself and my own life choices at your age. And... Well, I, I really don't want to give you that feeling, to be honest. Um... No, no, that's that's <laughs> definitely internal. You're not doing that to me, by the okay. way. <laughs> Good. But I mean, um... like, what, what are your struggles? Oh. Such good questions. I mean, I guess part of it is that what you see, like the external side, you know, of my, my life, of the, of the skills that I've built and mm -hmm. that I'm building. Like when you look at that, it looks so, I don't know. Amazing. Yeah, amazing in many ways. And while my life is really amazing at the moment, there's still a lot of all the hard work behind it, all the struggle um, is not really visible. And maybe I'm not sharing enough of it. <laughs> maybe I'm just portraying like on social media and these things. Maybe I'm just portraying the fun bits a little bit too much. But I guess one thing I would say is eating habits. <laughs> because at, um, at these communities that I live in, like they usually have really good food. 
and a lot of it and you get served it and uh, sometimes you're on kitchen shift but usually you know somebody else cooks kind of thing so overeating or like emotional eating is something that I've I've definitely done and I'm still really attached to food as a sort of of pleasure of happiness oh god Um, me too I love it (laughs) so that led to just always wanting to lose weight like that's just been a continuous thing in my life um not to say that I'm not happy with my body like I have a deep appreciation for it in many ways but there's still moments where I'm like oh come on I don't fit the ideal of what I would like to look up look like so I would say that's that's a struggle and this whole search of finding my community leaving Germany traveling and sort of starting to now build a different life. All of that came from a place of, I don't really have the community that I want, right. or I don't really see people living the life that I want to live, mm. or people around me, their lives just seem too too normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> too boring. Like it, it, it all comes from a place of, I don't quite fit in. I want more, I need more, I need to go search for more. So that process of course was and is painful. Um, I wasn't just born into a creative community and family of yogis (laughs) in a beautiful, warm country, you know, like all of that wasn't the case. It just sort of... um, You've created this. Yeah, I searched it out. But that process definitely comes with the pain of not having that in a way and now wanting more. And there's still lots of self-doubts because I've been drawing and posting on social media for a long time and I'm not big yet. And I'm like, what do I need to do in order to get there? I kind of know, but it's also... You know, so much luck and algorithm and consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And then in yoga, there's so much to learn still. My senior teachers that I've learned from, they're still such a different level of teaching. Like it just continues. And uh, Mm. there's lots of yoga offerings out there and you really have to find your niche and little corner. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, at the moment, my life feels (laughs) pretty smooth. But yeah, during COVID definitely wasn't yeah yeah for sure no and and thank you for opening up about that you know i I kind of feel like i opened up this conversation about my own struggles and my own imperfections Mm. and the things that i've you know obviously some of the bad choices that i've made over a Mm. long period of time (laughs) because um and i'm sorry again but i wanted to know like am i unique in that and i know that i'm not but like i look at Mm. someone like you who's just like it seems to be living the dream and you know it feels a little bit disconnected for me to be able to fully feel like I can relate with you and, mm. and I think that that's where I was coming from when I was like mm, the yoga retreat holidays sounds like a holiday but I'm like I'm not feeling the calling or the connection there because I feel like you know that bad boy side of me is still a bit of a monster that still needs you know to be acknowledged in some way mm. Um, and so, you know, asking you about your struggles has made me feel way, and you opening up about it, thankfully, has made me feel more, way more connected to, mm. I guess, not only you here now, but hopefully the audience as well. And it also makes me feel more connected to hope as well yeah. as a thing, you know? It's like, oh, here, here's this like gorgeous human being who has the voice of an angel who creates these beautiful art pieces, who's just coming along in her life in her early 20s, for God's sake. And she's a teacher. She teaches people and shares so much and has this great community. And so, yeah, I feel like just to sort of bring it back to people that no matter where you are in your life right now, getting to where you want to be will require some kind of struggle, I guess. And there's, yeah, big challenges in the way. Another big, big challenge that's in my life at the moment is that I don't have a permanent visa in Australia in this this country where I've really found my community really, really, really love. Mm. So I don't really know what's going to happen with me after this visa runs out. Mm. Um, I don't really feel called to go back to Germany. That just doesn't seem to be my place. I might go back for, for a few years, for a little while. We'll mm. see. But yeah, that situation makes it really difficult when you've sort of found community and found a place that just resonates in like climate and um mm-hmm just feels right um but then there's these external restrictions of like well if i was a doctor <laughs> then i could just you know decide to move to australia but uh yeah mm. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously you've so far in your life, you've been able to figure out the things that you don't want to do, figure mm. out the things that you do want to do, be able to chase them and pursue them, uh, fulfill them, um, create communities or join communities around them. And so I think right now where you are in your life, yes, it's not perfect. Yes, there's still struggle, but you feel you've built some really strong foundations for how to tackle that next challenge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously there's more to come, but those <laughs> foundations are really, really important to get you to where you need to be and maybe just trusting that gut some more, which is something I really need to learn to do. Mm, yeah, for sure. Trusting the <laughs> So yes. far, it's been unfolding even when I've been so worried about things. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. And I feel like I could just keep talking on and on and on and <laughs> listening to you talk about your passions and things. And thank you for opening mm -hmm. up. I know this was your first podcast. I know I threw yeah. a few curveball questions at you and, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's like a public speaking experience as well, which is mm. not within your comfort zone, but I think you're amazing. I've loved having you on. I've loved learning about you. I've loved the things that you've shared, your philosophies, not only the great things about your life, but your struggles as well. So mm. I want to say a huge thanks for agreeing to sort of come on the podcast and like do this with us and all of the rest yeah. of the people out there. Of course. Thank you so much. It's definitely a big honor. And I've realized in the process that doing something like this and reflecting inwards, you know, in the questions that you sent me before and now in talking to you, it's just, yeah, this big process of self-reflection and of becoming aware of where I'm at in my journey and where I want to go. Like mm. it's, it's good to have that reflected back, to hear your story <laughs> or to tell your story in a, in a new way. Yeah, and and maybe even having me sort of shed a little bit of life on the on the interconnectedness of everything as well. And yeah, that was really good. Those connections that you <laughs> drew. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. But uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it's all inspired from the way that you live. Like looking at all of the things that you do and the way you live is super inspiring to me. Um, something that obviously I can't turn back time and to do myself, uh, and I have absolutely no regrets. But something that I I find really admirable about you. And I wondered maybe if you've got any little gold nuggets to leave our audience with before we go. Yeah, that's a nice thing to close with for sure. So, oh, good question. It's a big one. Um, I think something that I find really important is to just take take dreams, especially creative dreams or alternative dreams seriously in our lives. And um, yeah, to find a, a supportive community really that uh, encourages us on these individual paths for creatives, um, I really recommend the book uh, The Artist's Way yeah. by Julia Cameron. Can't really go into it with too much detail now, but it's an incredible three months self-development journey that helps get past creative blockages. So that's something that I can really recommend. Other than that, just making time for the things that matter, making time for, for creativity, but also for rest, another big lesson. <laughs> taking our dreams seriously and making time for the things that matter i love it thank you mm. and yeah uh, i just want to say again it's been so great to have you it's been so great to connect with you i think a lot of people don't realize that when i do these podcasts it's almost literally the first time i'm seeing someone and speaking to someone we yeah. had a small chat on the phone the other day but i was like let's keep this quick before you tell me all your great stories mm. um so it's been really great to have this connection with you and hopefully you know while you're still in australia we can meet someday and you can show me how to make some of these mandalas. Yeah, that'd be lovely. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Marin. It's been great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Louis. <laughs> We'd love to know what you thought of that episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and even TikTok to let us know. And be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a review on Spotify, where you can catch some of our other really great episodes. Thanks for listening, and catch you next time.